0: All right, our scripture this morning, Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 11 through 17, and it says this, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit who you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his suffering in order that we may also share in his glory. All right. Well, we've been looking at the basic building blocks of the faith. We've been looking at the Apostles Creed and we've been working our way through one piece at a time. Now, uh, I will say last week's piece was uh, much more meaty than most of the pieces, (laughs) right? Because in the first week it was, uh, you know, I believe in God, the father almighty maker of heaven and earth, right? It's easy. It's short. You can probably memorize it. Then you get to the second piece about Jesus and you're like, wow, does this piece ever end? Right? There was so much. We believe this this and 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 this about Jesus. And so it's, it's kind of humorous to me because we cover God, the father in this long sentence. And then we cover Jesus in a whole bunch of statements. And then, and then the third one is just simply. I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's it, right? No explanation, no uh, clarification of what exactly the Holy Spirit does or who he is or, or what's going on here, right? Just a very simple, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And I'm sure you are all surprised to hear uh, that uh, the Holy Spirit comes up again, right? Because we just literally did an entire series on the Spirit-filled church. And, uh, and is kind of my life theme, so far and uh, in this season. And so uh, I thought, you know, as I, as I thought about this message, I thought, man, we just covered a whole series on Holy Spirit stuff. We've done a couple series on that now. Where do we go? Like what, where do I go now? Because there's so much you could cover in just saying, I believe in the Holy Spirit. There's so much there. And I think part of the reason that we leave it this simple is because at the end of the day, faith is simpler than we like it to be. (laughs) we like to make it really complicated and and we fill in the blanks with all of these things that we have to do and say and think and believe. And at the end of the day, faith is not nearly as hard as we make it out to be. And so I actually really love the simplicity of this statement, right? Because we get the elaborations of the father and the son and with the spirit, we basically get, yep, that's a thing. And that's it. That's it. And yet the inclusion of the Holy spirit in the apostles creed really speaks so much, even just in a simple statement of, I believe in the Holy Spirit. Because first of all, it offers us the basic view of the church, which is God in three persons. In fact, there's an old hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy. And the line, it says, God in three persons, blessed Trinity, right? And so it's this idea that God is three persons and yet one, right? There's not multiple gods, there's three persons and yet one God. And so it means that the Holy Spirit is, is unique. It has its own nature and its own relationship within God, but, but yet the Holy Spirit is still God. Right? In the same way that the Father and the Son are God, the Holy Spirit is equal to the Father and the Son that we've already covered in the Apostles' Creed. And it has many of the same traits, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has many of the same traits as Father and Son. And for example... And this is the one we're going to focus on a lot today. Not this scripture, but this example, the idea of bringing life, right? The spirit is involved at creation in Genesis one, two, it says the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And of course, what comes next is that God speaks creation into existence, right? The spirit hovers and then things come to be, they gain their life. In fact, I would even say that the Holy Spirit is a necessary part of life. And really, this necessity comes out of a fulfillment of an Old Testament prophecy. In Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29, he says this. He says, And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. See, there, there came a time where he said that the Spirit's can be poured out upon everyone. Uh, because if you, if you didn't know this, uh, the Spirit in the Old Testament was not poured out upon everyone. Not just everybody who was an Israelite got to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, it was mostly certain judges and kings and other people of uh, importance, people that we think of as people of importance, who needed the extra dose of strength or wisdom or direction or something to do the task that God had called them to do. In fact, There were even moments in the Old Testament where it is said that the Spirit is removed from people. Saul, for example, in 1 Samuel, says the Spirit leaves Saul. My goodness, if there's ever anything I don't want written about my life, it's that the Holy Spirit left me, right? And so the... So really, you, I come up with questions out of this. I, I, when I think about the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, especially, I come up with a list of questions. You know, why, why was the Holy Spirit only on select people in the Old Testament? And yet, in the New Testament, everybody gets the Holy Spirit. What's the difference between me and the rest of the Israelites? What's the difference between us and them? Why is it that I get the same Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, that David or Joshua had? Have you ever thought about that? Right? As a believer, we get to receive the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit isn't different for every person. It's the same Holy Spirit that all of us get. So why is it that, that we get the same spirit as David or Joshua, these guys we look up to? And why is it that I should care about or desire more of this Holy Spirit? And I think the answer, or at least in part, lies in Romans chapter 8. And so, so we're going we're to jump into Romans 8. So if you got your Bible, we're going to be there for today. Uh, Paul, in this letter to the Romans, has been laying out the gospel. Uh, I, I told you guys in week one of this series that if we had lost every other book of the New Testament, but we still had Romans, 98% of what we currently know in our theology would still be intact. That's how complete Romans is. We would still know most of what we know and understand most of what we understand. And so Paul's laying it out in the gospel. And in chapter 7, right before this, he's talking about how the law is revealing our sinfulness and our brokenness but that Jesus comes to change all of this mess we've made. And so he starts in Romans 8, verse 1. He says, therefore, because of this, because Jesus has done this, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. See, so he says, the condemnation of the law, which set us up as in as opposition to God, that condemnation is no longer there. The condemnation of the law has ended for those who have given themselves to Jesus because he says in verses two through four, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death for what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All right, now that's a mouthful. So let me explain what he's saying there. Because it's actually way simpler than that sounds, right? What he's saying is, there's a bee. That's not what he's saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Look, I got, I got a bee sting allergy. I'm not cool with this. All right. So, uh. What he's saying is very simple. He says, look, when Jesus came, he says he puts, he puts to death the condemnation of the law, right? In other words, he, he, he kills the killingness of the law, right? He takes care of the main problem. He says the law, he says Jesus meets not only the law, but he also gets rid of the punishment. for he says, those who live according to the spirit. For those who have who have offered their lives to Jesus, for those who have been filled with the Holy Spirit, because those two things are connected, right? So He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteousness of the law would be fulfilled and met. But did you catch what He calls the Spirit here? I I love I love how He refers to the Spirit. He calls it says the Spirit who gives life. He says we've been set free from the law of sin and death by the Spirit who gives life. I like this because it's in direct contrast to what we just read. It says that sin brings death, right? So if sin brings death, then naturally Jesus and the Holy Spirit bring life, right? It's a natural progression. It's back and forth. And so the Spirit brings life. And so I want to remember just for a moment that uh, what we encounter in the gospel, specifically in John fourteen six. Any of, my, any of my gospel scholars got that one on the mind? John 14, 6? Anybody? Oh, man, it's a good one. It's a good one. If you're going to memorize verses, this is a good one to start with. Ready? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus, he says, I am the life. Right? Life is a person. It's it's a person. It's Jesus. And so Jesus says, I am the life. And then these verses in Romans tell us that the Spirit gives us life. Have you put the pieces together yet? (laughs) Right? Why do we all get the Holy Spirit now? Well, if the Spirit's job is to bring life and Jesus is the life, right? The Spirit who gives life is poured out on all people because life has come. Because Jesus, the Messiah, the promised one, the way, the truth, and the life the life is now here. And so the spirit pours out life just, dare I say, willy-nilly, right? He just pours it out, right? It's almost like, uh, I know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a meme reference, all right? So uh, all the young people can make fun of me for being old, and all the old people can make fun of me for being too young. Uh, because memes are, for some reason, are somewhere in the middle right now. Uh, but it's it's the Oprah meme, right? You get a car, you get a car, you get a car, right? You get life, you get life, you get life, right? That's what the spirit does. The spirit gives life because there is life to be had because Jesus has offered it for us. When Jesus comes, he opens up life for all people and it's the spirit who delivers it to us today. He says this new law, the law of the spirit has set us free from the death and condemnation of the old law, not that it goes away, but that it now has an answer. Right? How will we be holy before the Lord? How will we fulfill the law? By the Spirit who gives us life. Now remember in our reading, okay? We just this is from the early chapter of 8, remember in our reading today, verses 11 through 13, it says, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. He says, look, this same spirit raised. It was part of the raising of the dead, right? He says, literally there is so much life within the Holy Spirit that dead things come back to life, right? And if, and if he's saying, look, if, if if the Holy Spirit can bring a dead thing back to life, what can it do with you who are still alive? (laughs) What can he do with you? See, what we find in these scriptures is that the Holy Spirit is in the life-giving business. It almost comes across as if giving life is his favorite thing to do. (laughs) To just pour it out freely (laughs) wherever he goes, wherever he blows, you might say. Right? Because if you remember, this has been a minute, I'm going to test your memories. All right? We've talked about the Holy Spirit a lot. And there was an Old Testament word, a Hebrew word that uh, was for spirit. Anybody remember it? Ruach. Who said that? Somebody. A few of you guys had it. Yeah. Ruach. You got to have the sound, right? Ruach. It has to to be like that. Uh, But it's the word that we use for spirit, but it's the same word for breath or wind or breeze. It's the same word right? The breath of God. It's in, and, and I think there is not a, uh, this is not a, uh, coincidence that spirit and breath are the same word, right? Because you can't live, you can't literally have physical life without breath, <laughs> right? Breathing sustains life. So now that we've connected the Holy Spirit to life, let's consider for a moment the times that we see the Holy Spirit, Genesis chapter one, verse two, which we referenced at the beginning of this message, the world is literally given life in this chapter. All of creation is given life in the Holy Spirit's there. Numbers eleven seventeen. 17, Moses uh, has been drained, all right? Moses is the, the leader. There's nobody else. There's only Moses. And Moses is so tired, He has to deal with every issue that comes up. It all has to go across Moses' desk and he is wiped out. And so God lets him pick 70 guys from the people. And he says that I'm going to give them my spirit, the same spirit he'd given Moses, he's going to give to the 70 so that they can help Moses solve all these problems. And Moses doesn't do that. I don't know if you've ever had somebody come into your office or your place of work and say, hey, you must be exhausted. What can I take off your plate? Look, I can tell you there is not much that is more life-giving than for someone to take something off my plate, right? When somebody says, let me do that for you, right? We, we have the same thing in our homes and with our marriages and with our children, right? When, when somebody says, hey, let me offer a hand, you gain life. And then in Judges chapter 6, Gideon receives the Spirit of God and literally delivers God's people and saves their lives. <laughs> They're delivered because Gideon is filled with the Spirit. And then the prophets, right? Now you might think, okay, how are the prophets life-giving? Because most of their messages were basically, repent or die, right? That was it, repent or die. But really, if you read their message, it was actually kind of the opposite. It was, repent so that you can have life, right? We, we, we focus on the other side because it was, well, also, if you don't repent, you won't have life, which is death, right? So we focus on that side. But really, what they're, if you read the prophets, the whole point of their prophecy was to call people back to God where they could find true and everlasting life. That's the whole job of the prophet, was to call people back to God. And then in the New Testament era, Jesus comes, the life comes, right? Not just a little dose here or there like in the Old Testament, but eternal life available to everyone, And if you really want to dig in, we could could get into the fact that Mary conceives by the Holy Spirit, right? The Spirit is involved both in the first life of the world at creation, and now the Spirit shows up to bring new life in a literal and spiritual way through Jesus. And then you even consider, consider the miraculous things that we see, happen in our lives as believers. When we see people healed and delivered, what is that doing? It's just giving people life. You know, you read these stories of, uh, you know, there's the guy where Jesus gets off the boat and he's been running through the tombs. He's been causing havoc. People try to chain him up and he breaks the chains. This dude is not living life. I would not call that life. And Jesus comes and he delivers him and he offers him life. So that these miraculous things is just leading us all back to life. The Spirit has always been about bringing life to us. And so we revisit my questions from earlier. Why was the Holy Spirit only on select people in the Old Testament, and yet every single believer today receives them? It's because Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life has come for all of us. We can now, we can now live by the law of the Spirit, the law of life our minds and our hearts can be led by the Spirit into a way of life, the way of Jesus. Right? Because God has always desired life for all people. Right? He's always desired us to have life, and life to the full, as Jesus calls it. But we choose the way of death instead. And so these people in the Old Testament, the Davids and the Joshuas and, and the Sauls, the guys who all got the Spirit these were just people who desired that life for themselves and that life for the people that they led. But a lot choose the path that leads away from life because, because we're deceived by our own thinking and our own desires. Romans eight helps us here too. In verses five through eight, right? We're filling in the filling in the gaps here. Okay. We started one through four. We looked at kind of, uh, uh, 11 through 17 in the middle is five through eight. And it says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Now, we see this at play in all sorts of ways, right? And it's it's easy sometimes to... Uh, to neglect or deny that we have desires that aren't fuf- fulfilling of our lives, right? It's easy to p- cast those aside because, because we've we've grown up and we've been taught that, that taking blame for our own stuff is no fun. <laughs> I don't want to have to take blame for my own stuff. I want to blame somebody else for it, right? However, there are lots of ways that we, we make decisions in our lives that aren't life-giving. You might say, well, I'm doing my best to have a very fulfilling life, right? And the thing is, our problem is what makes life fulfilling is off. It doesn't line up with what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us that having a relationship with Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit is life-giving. That's where we find our life. But often, there are other things where we find, where we think we find fulfillment, right? I'm going to be honest. There are big ways and there are small ways. I'm going to offer you just a small one of my own that I struggle with. Uh, And that is very simple. You should be able to guess this one based on knowing me. Food. All right? Food. I would love to eat all the time. I love food. All right? I am the person who goes to the restaurant. I try all the different things on the menu. If we're going more than once, I almost never get the same thing twice. I want to try it all. Right? I love to eat. But guess what? At some point, the eating becomes a problem. And the eating that is meant to be, right? We eat to sustain our lives, all right? In, in my case, I was eating for pleasure in that example. But at the base of it, we have to eat so we can survive, right? But there comes a point where when we overindulge, our eating to survive actually serves the opposite. We eat so much that we actually die. We overeat. We're unhealthy. So you see, there are even small things that are desires of ours. I I love to eat. And yet, at the base of it, it sounds good because I need to eat in order to survive. But yet, without real life, without guidance, I'm going to overindulge and I'm going to end up in a realm of death again. Which is, I think, why gluttony is in Scripture. Because God wants us to have life. So, so why do we care? Why should we care and desire more of this Holy Spirit? Look, do I really have to tell you this morning that you should desire more life? <laughs> do we really have to say that we desire more life and peace, it says, that it brings with God? Don't all people just desire a life of fulfillment and to experience what life to the fullest feels like? Isn't that just the base of why we do the things we do? Isn't that why we, we do most of the things in our life, right? Right? Why do we we marry our spouse? Because we think it's going to bring us fulfillment in life, right? It's going to bring us happiness and joy. It's going to add to our life. We do things that add to our lives. We fill our lives with the things that bring us the most life, the most joy, the most peace, happiness, fill in the blank with whatever great, nice word you want to put in there. We choose the things in our lives that bring us the most life. And yet we find in scripture that those things in their purest form can only be found in one place. Because these things, it says in scripture, life, joy, peace, happiness, are fruit of the Spirit. They come by having a relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. The Spirit points us to the Son who leads the way to the Father. It is only by the Holy Spirit, right? Remember, it's fruit. Fruit comes from having something already. You have to have a tree before you can have fruit. You can't just have an apple. And so we we have the Holy Spirit within us and, and working in us. And because of that, we get the fruit of having the Holy Spirit, the life, the joy, the peace, the happiness. See, the Holy Spirit does a lot of things. It does a lot of things. But this morning... This morning, we can best summarize the Holy Spirit's role in this. He leads us to life. And I don't know about you, but I could use some fresh life this morning. I could use a fresh breath, a fresh wind, some renewal. And so, what I want to invite you to do is very simple. I'm not going to ask you to come forward, all right? Because I know I do that all the time. You're probably tired of me telling you to do that, right? I'm not going to tell you to come forward. Instead of just make it more simple. All right, if you could use a new life, some fresh wind, some fresh breath, this morning, I want you to stand up, and I want you to just hold your hands like this. All right, act as if the person sitting in front of you is handing you a big screen TV, and you're trying to receive it. All right, that's all you got to do. In fact, uh, I forget what pastor it was one time that told me. Uh, I, somebody had asked him, well, how, how far apart should I hold my hands, which I feel like is getting really picky. Right. Uh, and, uh, and he said, well, how big do you want your blessing to be? You know, was like, <laughs> <it was> like, <laughs> look, whether or not I buy into that is beside the point. All right. Here's what I'm inviting you into. If you need some life, this is just, this is receiving pose. All right. There's something to be said about our bodies and, and getting our bodies involved in worship. All right. So I want you to just stand. I want you to hold your hands out like this, and I'm going to pray for you uh, that, that you'd have some fresh life this morning, that you'd receive a fresh wind of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so we're going to pray, and then we'll, we'll worship together as we close. God, we are so thankful that you offer us life. We know that all the things that we're seeking, the joy and the peace, the life, God, we know it comes from you. And this morning, Lord, we've learned that your Holy Spirit is intimately involved and leads us into life. And so we stand and we ask for a fresh wind of your Holy Spirit this morning. Breathe on us breath of God. Renew us this day as we offer ourselves to you, God, to put to rest our fleshly desires, as Paul puts it, the things of the world that we think fulfill us, God. Help us to see that the things that really fulfill us are the things that are of you. The people, the places, the things, the encounters and experiences God, that most lead us to you and demonstrate your spirit to us. God, fill our lives with those things this week as we receive your Holy Spirit again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.